0: I I love hearing the stories because it actually just kind of reminds me like wow this is why I did did it in the first place it's because I want people to feel these stories I want people to feel seen I want people to have the permission to tell their own stories I want people to to see the work that's already in progress and I'm proud of that as as a queer Southeast Asian American I'm proud of our community and I want that feeling to be heard and whether it's in California or in Iowa or in Brunswick, Canada, for all I care. I mean, in the most remote parts of the world, I want people to feel seen. And I want and I and I will say this because I remember my brother uh one time said, well, no one's going to really care about us. Like, you know, no one's going to really care about these stories, you know, and I took that personally. And it's something I never forgot. And it's like, no, it's it's going to matter. We're going to matter.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tomanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Randy Kim. He is a queer Viet Kamai American based in the Chicagoland area, original home of the Kickapoo people. Randy is the host and creator of the Bon Me Chronicles podcast. He is a board member with the National Cambodian Heritage Museum in Chicago and currently working on his master's in nonprofit management at DePaul University. He is currently working a three-year fellowship with Healthy Communities Foundation. Hi, Randy.
0: Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm really glad that we've been connecting for the past few months, and I'm really honored to be on your show.
1: Thank you so much for being here. I get so excited when I meet um fellow podcasters but also fellow like API podcasters. It like it ignites me in a way where I get like super super um excited. So, we'll dive into some of that. But first, I'm kind of curious um how would you feel about sharing with the listeners or the viewers your journey, like kind of what your professional journey has been like and even kind of how that made its way, you know, into the into the podcasting?
0: Mm, I feel like when I look back into my professional career, it's been very messy and. and in- in many ways, but it's also it's been taking on very different paths uh for the past decade plus. So I graduated from uh UIC, the University of Illinois, Chicago, as an English major. And prior to that, I actually wanted to go into journalism, but I was having a lot of conflicts. And I think I'll probably share this later on uh, as to what got me astray from the journalism field. But I was actually going to go into secondary education, and I realized that this was not going to make me happy. I could not see myself in a classroom teaching in America. And I thought, well, maybe I might as well just try to finish up my degree and get an English degree and see what's out there. And uh, lo and behold, the Great Recession happened in 2008. And I had just completed an internship with a uh, sports TV network, which, again, I probably would share more about that one later on. But to give more context, I wanted to actually dive into the, the field of journalism, specifically in sports, because I am a very passionate Chicago sports fan. So with the recession, following a very difficult job search, jobs just weren't opening. And then I ended up going to Korea to be an English teacher over there. For the next three years and um, it was a very eye-opening experience for me because for me there's nothing or for a lot of for a lot of us millennials especially for those of color the the job market was so dirt and there were many millennials like myself that needed to find a different option and the the idea to teach abroad came up um i know like china japan and south korea those were hotbed places for english teachers and i thought well as an english major why not and i think in those three years i've been able to travel and actually trying to figure out well what would be my next step uh professionally and there and there i thought well i want to go into nonprofit work um and I thought about nonprofit on a deeper level because I knew coming back to America, I felt my time to go into the sports journalism field had already passed me by. It had been several years. I was already unsuccessful in the job search prior to that. But I thought what I learned from nonprofit uh, being an English teacher there was that I really enjoyed being in community with uh, with people. And there was a volunteer organization that I joined where we were serving to volunteer at uh, local orphanages and domestic violence shelters and it gave me a pathway to learn about what that what that um environment is like but I will also say that there's a lot to be said um especially when uh these organizations are led by churches and led by white people so there were things that i also confronted that i wasn't comfortable with but then there was also part of the community impact that i had that i saw that okay well there's certain things i can control um in terms of my relationship with the people that i built relationships with and so i re- recognize that i do want to go into that field but i was also already kind of weary it's like okay this is what i don't want to deal with you know the whole white savior complex of nonprofits uh with a lot of ngos I did not want to go down that path, um, like what other people would go into. So coming back home, I got involved with Asian American advocacy when I used to work as an immigrant rights organizer for the Korean American Resource and Cultural Center. And then then having to deal with then actually dealing with uh after the grant ran out, uh, my position wasn't renewed. So I was going into like different fields from uh, I don't want to get into this long story, but I will say that I've hopped into different nonprofits over the last, over the next few years. And, and I gotta say that sometimes when you go through so many transitions and a short amount of time due to layoffs and unexpected, uh, job changes, you're constantly on the go and you're constantly trying to figure out how to survive. Um, especially when you're living alone and trying to keep up rent. So, there were times when I had to take pay cuts or taking jobs that were actually kind of beneath my own experiences. So I think getting to the more recency of my own experiences, that's kind of where I got into podcasting. It's also where I decided to go back to school because I felt that um, I was plateauing about two years ago. I realized that, you know, I'm heading into my late thirties. I feel that the last job that I had wasn't giving me what i needed to grow as a person to feel that i have more agency in what i want to do and i thought about podcasting uh for several reasons and well part of it's because when i was going to the do my own personal issues as a journalism student uh, in my undergrad years i remembered having people that were supposed to be mentors who are also white, tell me that I wasn't good enough to write. Um, I, had, I had one particular experience that was traumatizing back then. And I remembered there was a Southeast Asian symposium at my community college. And as a Vietnamese and Cambodian person, this was actually the first time I started learning about the history of what my family had went through. Um, I wasn't really learning any of this from K to 12. Uh, being in a predominantly white community. And I was writing what would be, what was supposed to be the feature story for it. And I was also taking photos too. So I got a, so we got into this meeting, like our weekly meeting. I had the story finished, had the pictures finished. They basically said, we loved the photo of the ops uh dancer. They said, we're not gonna use your story. They gave me no reason. They did not tell me why. They said, well, it's not good enough or it's, they kind of casually said, well, I don't think it's important enough. And as a person who was turning 19, that was the first direct moment where I felt this, this very invalidating, very hurtful experience that, that something that my dad had told me, um, like when I was trying to go into that field, he was against it. He felt that because there were no Asian-Americans in that field, this was off-limits. And that actually kind of validated his um, belief. And it really started to kind of go into this path of uncertainty for me for the next uh, part of my undergrad career. You know, when I would go to UIC, this would follow me. Um, I kept thinking, well, they're not going to value our stories our community's history. So doing that podcast, I felt like I had to go back in time to, rec- to recognize some of that pain that was, that was holding me back from pursuing the fuller versions of myself, to tap into the, into the being that I am, and, and to tap into the history that my family and my ancestors have embodied in me. And then going back to school, I felt that I needed to, you know, sharpen my own skills. I wanted to take a lot of the experiences I've had, both professionally and as a volunteer to, to make more of an impact or to be a better collaborator to, to, to do work that continues to make me curious, to, uh, help me pursue and find uh, opportunities to uh collaborate especially on causes that are very urgent to us and and I think as a podcaster when I started my podcast about two plus years ago I was thinking about this today I felt like when I started out my podcast it was like a love letter to my younger self it was like a love letter to the Asian community that I've been connected with it was basically trying to tell that 18 year old 19 year old self that was really hurting when his editor-in-chief told him that i was not a good writer that my story and my history my own culture did not matter um it was also that love letter to my 22 23 year old self when i was an intern at at that tv network and when one of my peer mentors who was the same age as me who had gotten the job Several months before I became an intern, decided to use this power battles, uh, to use his power over me, and to constantly question and interrogate me as an intern. So I felt like I needed to do that to undo a lot of the harm um, that I kept internalizing, that I kept rationalizing, that maybe I wasn't good enough, this wasn't for me. But then realizing, well, no, I think there's more layers to this. There's more to more to this, uh, it wasn't fair that I did not have the support that I needed from my peers. And it was also very hard when you don't have people who look like you that, that could give you the, the guidance to navigate in a very white dominated field, right? So, so that was also part of me starting in my own pockets. Like I felt like I needed to really celebrate these parts about me that uh that are very important as a queer Vietnamese Khmer American. But also also for our own community who grew up not having to see themselves on TV, in book in radio, in magazines, and also in elected offices. I'm glad that the landscape is changing, but it's also an opportunity for us to document our own stories, to to document our own vision and what do we want to see it manifest into uh, moving forward because we still have many ways to go. There's still a lack of our own understanding of our history and the people who have been fighting for alongside with us. And I think this is a, this is a really important uh, motivation to have podcasts. And it's not just me. It's also with you and with so many other Asian American Pacific Islander folks who are doing this because for so long, we, our stories have been gatekept by, by uh, white-led institutions who aren't greenlighting our stories and aren't telling it in a way that actually goes further because some of what gets on there is, uh, is quite sanitized and only meant for uh, white comfort, right? So, um for us, it's about using our own experiences and to tell it unapologetically on our platform and on our own time.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Oh boy. So many thoughts and so many questions.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I'm kind of going, I feel like it was a long roundabout way, but but yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I think, I think you described it very well because it was this up until, you know, now, like your journey and, and what it's been like, I remember too, man, back in like, Oh, my gosh, that 2008, 2009, I remember how that really uprooted a lot of things for people, especially BIPOC, right? Because it is harder, you know? And then the journalism, you know, that journalism experience sounds really tough. And I think I totally agree in that, like, mentorship is important, but also representation, you know, and there are a lot of spaces like journalism, I think, years ago, the pandemic kind of shift things a little. But I remember even the podcasting world was predominantly, you know, Caucasian, I think of like, Mm -hmm. a particular network, that's like the original, um, the original podcast, you know, and even that originally was predominantly Caucasian. So it's important for us to take up these spaces, take up space, have presence in these spaces, and also for like current and like, future generations or current and future people in that field because it it just it matters matters like so so much and true mentorship mentorship where it's like you said someone looks like you there's like they understand culture there isn't like this power differential they're actually wanting to help like inclusion like is so so important you know and i think it's interesting too like and i agree in even my um my experience, I never intended to be a podcaster ever. I mean, I tend to be a therapist, but <laughs> um Thanks. but but I mean essentially it was like I, I had some point I realized like this is like a big platform and how great would it be to really kind of this is called open mind night, but like a mic, you know, like you hand the mic to someone, someone who gets to share their own story from their personal experience. Because I think stories are so much powerful so so much more powerful and actually authentic when it comes from the person who has lived experience right right and so i i'm trying to recall what i thought when you were describing your story but i think it was along the lines where i almost felt like you know when you mentioned you kind of in a way got re-in-touch or more in touch with like past you by having the podcast right it almost sounds like um like a also even like a discovery process in a way because you're right you're right even like my culture and with my family is very similar where things weren't really talked about like the complete story or someone's actual lived experience in something that was political something that was had to do with war like it was kind of like I, i knew from the news or sort of textbooks but like it wasn't until unfortunately sometimes when someone was later in their life or actually found out like how they experienced something that was very very difficult and, co- and collective i'm japanese american so it was kind of like i think within mine it was more like the internment camps and even then like i didn't find out a lot of those stories until much later and there's still some that mm-hmm. i haven't heard
0: mm-hmm. no you're right on that because i think to also sharing how what i what little did i know about my own. Asian-American identities, I did not learn about that history of myself until I was about 30 years old, and I'm 38 now. And it wasn't until I left Korea, coming back to America and being involved with Asian-American spaces, uh, particularly uh, the queer trans uh, spaces, because um, I did not learn who Grace Lee Boggs was until that time. It was actually the credit, the credit goes to the activists who I've been very fortunate to be in connection with. Uh It was through social media that I learned about who yuri Jiyama was or Brett Kornamatsu or um Helen Zia. And what's also very sad about it is there are people in our millennial age group that don't know who these people are, despite how, how important their contributions are. I mean, most, um I think that there is a statistic and i'm I can't remember the exact number, but there's a vast majority of non asian Americans that don't that couldn't name a an asian American activist or educator or leader and I think that really tells you a lot about how far the invisibility goes and how detrimental that is to our own survival to our own health to our own ability to thrive and yeah representation matters sure but what about equity what about dismantling tokenism if you have like five asian reporters well who's on the board who what does the executive leadership look like so i think when i hear representation matters i just kind of like i kind of bristle pretty quickly on that because like yeah crazy rich asians became a big box opposite but guess what happened next you know Adeline, uh can't get green lighted and she's so severely underpaid versus her white male counterpart. There's a reason why it's not green lighted because she caught it out and guess what? America does not deserve another crazy rich Asians because they're not fixing the damn problem. Yeah. Um and and that's why I have a cynicism towards it, but I'm also optimistic that we're not gonna just stand idly on this at all. We're we can we're gonna call it out and shout it from the rooftop. And educate our younger folks to not settle for less. You know, for growing up with refugee parents, it's about survival. It's about and survival sometimes means having to sacrifice a lot of our own history, our own culture, our own pride to just assimilate to a narrative that was only meant for making white people comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when we're teaching our younger generations, non-parents or as uncles as as teachers that it's important for us to make sure that that we uh normalize this new version of us and so that way uh historical figures and current ones who are making history now are not going to be forgotten and that their fight wasn't in vain
1: yeah definitely definitely i agree and i think even the the whole crazy rich asians thing i I always had interesting feelings about that, like the movie and like, or the story, yeah. example, but because it's like very small and I feel like, I don't know, and this maybe a little off topic, but you know, you brought up, um, in some sort of way, like, you know, I always think like my model minority and like, and two, right. I'm more about like the, all the stories. You know, and yes, the whole not, range of experience, and I feel like crazy um yeah crazy was very like I don't know, i kind of it it wasn't it didn't settle too well with me as as far not as not the only what one mm-hmm. they just you know that's it looks like
0: we don't live in the Kevin Kwan world we none of us do you know we don't live in in elon Musk type homes we we don't that's not our life, you know, yeah, it's great to see. You know, different Asian American a, Asian actors out there, great, but it's not it's not something that a lot of us identify with. So, um, so we also have to keep dismantling and infiltrating like what Hollywood wants or what they see as being successful. Uh, yeah, because like if Hollywood thinks that a box office success means just having um a movie about uh about ridiculously uh, wealthy. Asian people and doing action movies then we're only limiting uh the scope here you know um there's also other Asian folks i mean uh, besides the east asian experiences um mm-hmm. and there's also different spectrums i mean you got LGBTQIA you've got people who are disabled deaf um blind you have different intersectional experiences of the asian and then pacific islander experiences and and we just can't focus on the most visible of our community.
1: Yeah. And, and out of curiosity, you know, how, um, as like a podcaster, especially like with your podcast, you know, how do you go about like honoring the guest stories or, you know, using that platform for your guests?
0: Mm. Well, I think, I think uh, when I first began the show, it, I remembered uh, being in the storytelling community for about a few years. And there were times when I would share uh, particularly vulnerable stories. And, And a lot of the storytelling spaces I was in was also predominantly white. And a lot of the stories that I would hear would often be very entertaining stories in contrast to the stories that I would share. And I would always feel like very out of place. And after telling that story and when it's all over, it's like, you know, it didn't feel supportive. It didn't feel like, like, I feel like I'm just performing trauma in a sense, rather than finding community uh, rather than finding the kind of, kind of a bond that I would have with other storytellers. Although I have in, in, in the past, uh been connected with other folks who, uh who have, you know, shared their vulnerability, who have shared their vision in their stories. And so I, Recognize that as a podcaster, there's a responsibility to, to honoring, uh, how or what a person shares, especially when there is particularly, particularly trauma involved. I think what I try to be very mindful of is, is understanding what my mission is, understanding that it's, it's to also navigate into the intersectionality of our own experiences through the layers, but also to recognize that we deserve to celebrate ourselves in this, that, that we are growing as people, that we're not defined by just the trauma in our Mm -hmm. stories, that we are eventually defined by our ability to, to grow and to evolve Mm -hmm. as people along the way. And there were times when I know, uh, before I talk to a guest, before I record, uh, an episode with a guest, if I know that there are going to be some difficult stories, I would you know, set up a pre-call and have a conversation about it. I'd like to understand what their comfort level is. If this gets brought up, how would you like me to, to process this with you? Like how, because I'm not a therapist first and foremost. It's not a therapy session. Uh, the goal of my show is to make sure that you get to tell your story and that, that we work on an outcome of what we would like to see this episode be to look like. That is very important because it's not just my show, it's also their stories. And I want them to have agency in being able to tell their stories because for me, it's a privilege to do that. You know, it's a privilege for me to get that trust, which is very sacred because because like any time that they open up, that means that they are open to having that relationship with you. And I think that's something I take very very seriously but yeah I, I do think it's important to just to go over it with your guests beforehand and and also think about your own understanding of these issues too because you don't want to go in completely blind or ignorant of uh ignorant of what they want to because if they shared something and and you're not reacting very well to it then i think that that also tells you about uh about how this may not be an area that you are Uh, versed in talking about so i think it's okay to acknowledge uh Mm -hmm. times where you don't understand these experiences but just acknowledge that you know thank you just by saying thank you for sharing this um i really appreciate you for bringing this up and also think about your own self-reflection like i will have to look up this topic this history more i will look to do better I think just even acknowledging what you don't know is important rather than just dismissing it because yeah i I don't like to keep people in their trauma once it's open. I think it's important for me to help you know navigate it's like where what is what are we leading this conversation into? why does this particular event in that person's life matter, and how is it connected to the uh to the beautiful work that they're doing to the connection to the reconciliation that they've made for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's, that, I think there's more power to it. Um The trauma is only part of the experience, but not the full entree. It, it's just part of what connects it to the actions that we take.
1: Right. Right. I like what you said too about, um, it sounds like, and, and I love that and I do the same where it's like very collaborative, but also knowing and being aware and talking about like the limits and boundaries you know, when it comes to these topics and, and how it's, um, how it's gone about, you know, and, and you're right, like there's like the trauma component, but there's also like the big picture and all these other things, you know, for, and let me know if this is like okay, um, you know, we have guests on or, you know, we talk about these, you know, deep topics and, you know, with people. We I think we also have like our own our, our own experience with it as like, you know, the podcaster and the person that, you know, is kind of maneuvering and like providing that stage for people and kind of in a way sometimes absorbing it. So and I, I think one thing that comes to mind, just it's kind of a general term, I think, in in general for this, but like almost like experiencing and listening to someone else's trauma can sometimes lead someone to experience maybe some part of like vicarious trauma.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It it sure can open up. I will say, like over the summer when I was still continuing my podcast, and I think I was still going at a pretty frenetic pace, top on top of work and on top of other responsibilities that were just holding me at bay. And and I think it was around the time of the anti Asian violence that it started to pick up because I was starting to do episodes and having some, I guess, shirt. some of their own experiences, particularly with childhood. And, you know, as much as I resonate with so many stories, and then trust me, I do. Um, there's a reason why I have them on because I see myself in a lot of these stories too. Not obviously, not completely, but, but enough that actually that I get very consumed by it. And it's not something I like to admit to. But I think that there was a time when over summer, I think there was, two episodes I was recording in one day, which I rarely do, but I just felt like schedule wise, I was trying to fit that in and realizing that both of the, both of their stories were very, very heavy. And towards the end, I think by the end of the night, I was just like mentally, emotionally spent. And it took me about a week for me to, to feel, I want to be back to myself again, but to feel functional again, because it's, not only just hearing these stories, but also having to spend a lot of time processing how am I going to maneuver it? Uh, what kind of conversation am I thinking about? Sometimes I feel like I have to go back into my own past in order for me to understand. And I don't think that's always the most healthiest thing to do. But I also at times feel like that is also where my connection comes in in these interviews, because mm-hmm. I because for me to better understand it, I sometimes have to look back. In my own history, and I think that there's no easy way to to prevent vicarious trauma. I think it will happen at times when you least expect it. Uh, what I can say is, just giving yourself enough grace. If you have to pause uh, from the recordings, if you have to excuse yourself, then you know by all means, please do, and be transparent about it with your guests too, and and the people that you would like to have on. Because I think it's it's a labor of love. But sometimes that labor can be very crushing. And I think it was like around the beginning of September where I said, you know what, I've got to take a pause from this show for the next, until next summer. And, you know, right now we're into winter. And honestly, it felt great uh, for the past two months of not releasing an episode. I feel great about not scheduling an interview. Um, I Um I, I still do. I still promote some of my re-releases as of late and that's actually kind of fun for me because at least I get to kind of reintroduce them back Um, because for a while I was releasing weekly episodes for a good period of time. And that can be very taxing. I mean, you got to deal with uh, not only the scheduling, the recording, but the editing Then you got to do writing the show notes, um, the promotion of it. Yeah. The whole, the whole gamut, uh, and that can be very, and that was very taxing for me. So I don't miss, uh, I don't miss working on an active, uh, season right now. <laughs> thank God, but, but I do have the hunger for it. I mean, there are times where I feel tempted. It's like, Oh gosh, I'd really like to interview so and so right now. Um, or this, this, uh, current event sounds very important that we really need to talk about. Um, but I think it's good for me to pause and to give myself a better rest and a better reset. Because I think what I really don't want to do, and I've seen a lot of podcasts fall into it, is that they get overwhelmed, they give up, they become in some ways, um, jaded and leave it all together. And I don't want to be in that position where I feel like I'm obligated to do this for my followers. I have to do this from a, from a good place, uh, from a good mindset and not from a place of scarcity and hope, and trying to remind myself to do things from a place of abundance. So, um, and I think even when I get back to it, I'll have to rethink about how it will look like. Uh, I don't think I would do weekly episodes. I can guarantee you that's the first thing I will not be doing is that it'll be done weekly, You know, it'll be done every two weeks or however it's going to look like. And maybe I'll shorten up my seasons as a result. But that's the beauty of discovering of what isn't going to work for you. And that's when you give yourself the opportunity to put your foot down and say, you know what? I gotta stop. Um, I gotta stop before this starts to escalate into something more difficult to climb out of.
1: Yeah, I think, um, and I remember when, uh, months ago when you had announced that, you know, you're taking like, kind of like more of a respite or like a little break, you know, and, and maybe because like, I work in mental health, but I'm old. I was like, yeah, self-care, you know, like great, like to, you know, acknowledge that and be able to give that, you know, to yourself. It's it's interesting because it's like, and and I get it too, where it's like when you have a passion and something like you're so excited about, Mm -hmm. you're really wanting to like, keep going with it and keep going with it. And that can drive you to continue to, um, Do more episodes and think about those ideas all of a sudden and be like, wow, that person would be great. But it's like kind of a tricky balance because not just with the vicarious trauma, but also kind of like leading into leading into burnout because, Mm -hmm. you know, especially for those of us that are, you know, we're not like a part of some, you know, big like media company where there's a lot of like back end, behind the scenes stuff that's happening that people don't know about the pre-production and post-production. And I remember when you're doing like weekly episodes and I was like, wow, like I, you know as someone who's also a podcaster i was like whoa like that's you know that's in, that's intense because i know like the labor that that takes although it comes from a place of like love and like passion um but the also the benefit of even with podcasting um is you get to create your own schedule and that's actually kind of cool
0: yeah it, it does and also i feel like i could to dictate uh my agency of how i want to go about it and and also i think it's important for me or for everyone to recognize that yeah i i was writing on a lot of momentum too i mean i was having all these incredible guests Mm -hmm. and there's like more topics that keep me very curious that i feel like oh yeah we need to have these discussions and i can't wait to just bring it out to the universe but then realizing that you know i could still pause and i'm not going to feel shame in doing that um that i'm not going to worry about. Whether people are going to forget about me for the next couple of months, it's fine. I think you have to let certain things go because what really made my show connect with uh, folks and, and some of these folks became good friends of mine is just being very transparent, just being very honest with yourself and being genuine that you care because once you start to get that burnout, it will come across it's gonna show those cracks will start to appear you know like maybe if i do a live video if uh, if i feel very irritated or i had a conversation um i I will say that there was one example Uh, i i will you know own this up but i think towards the end of summer there was a cambodian content creator who i absolutely adore i think he's really he's 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 a he's he's, does a lot of incredible work but i think he was putting his like top 10 cambodian influencers or like up podcasters and i was not included on there and i think i made a shady comment i was like well it's like you kind of forgot one person you know and i think i did it from a place of of feeling disrespected mm. because i felt like here i am busting my ass off for the past two years like i may not be fully cambodian but i think it also triggered that part too because you know being mixed definitely didn't help but i i, I felt that the last for two years going, you know, like I have done weekly episodes. I have brought on, brought on like community members to um uh, to prolific guests. And I'm a one person team. So you're I, I felt some kind of way about not getting that kind of respect. And I realized like why did I do this in the first place? And I had to really hold myself back here and really check myself in and say, you know, Why did you do this podcast? What's more important to you? Um, and I kept telling people that it's about connection with community. It's about being able to learn more about myself and learn about the people that I'm in connection with. I think that these are incredibly important. This is what keeps me going. But then when I started to think about the lack of respect factor and I started to think more of like, well, why are people paying attention to this so and so? this is putting me in a very unhealthy place and this was putting me on a path of being bitter Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be in that in that mindset and that can become very toxic not just to myself but to the people around me so I had to think about that but I also realized that this was a sign that I needed to step away from myself before I started to feel this vindictiveness or, uh, or like, you know, driving myself into this work and realizing that I'm not getting anything out of it. And that's not what I want to venture into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky position, you know, cause, cause it's nice to be like acknowledged and recognized right? Like that, that feels good, especially when you put your heart and, and your soul into something that matters. And your why for doing the podcast is huge, you know? And then sometimes, you know, because I've been, I've experienced that as well, where um it kind of gets lost sometimes. And then part of me is like, Oh, no, I hope this doesn't turn into some other thing, like the followers, or like, maybe certain recognition, all that when really, like, that's not what this is about, you know? So yeah, so it's kind of like taking a step back, you know, from that. And I always say like, I mean I'm a podcaster but I'm also like a podcast listener. I started out as just a podcast listener. That's all I thought I was going to be doing. And for me it's always been the content. And that to me mattered as a listener or potential listener as opposed to like whatever else fluff is, you know, fluff is happening. You know, for me it was like is this topic resonate? Is this topic meaningful? Is this going to have an impact, you know, on at least like one person, you know? And and I think for me like in and, and when I initially heard yours too like that's what stuck out to me like i don't think i'll ever forget you like even if you took a break for like two years or however long you want to go on a vacation somewhere like i don't think i'd ever forget you and yours because i remember like even way before we connected i was like a listener of your podcast and a fan and i'm like this is amazing like this is so so amazing you know and i and i would just sit there and like i always have this routine where i listened to it in the morning to kind of like, you know, get my gears going and everything. And I remember listening to yours and I'm like, this is so cool. You know, and I hope other people listen to this too.
0: (laughs) That really means a lot. I truly appreciate that. I I really do. And I'm just very thankful. Anytime I would get a DM from someone who was just listening in and hearing that, I, I love hearing the stories because it, actually just kind of reminds me it's like, wow, this is why I did, did it in the first place. It's because I want people to feel these stories. I want people to feel seen. I want people to have the permission to tell their own stories. I want people to, to see the work that's already in progress. I mean, and I'm proud of that. As as a queer Southeast Asian American, I'm proud of our community. And I want that feeling to be heard and whether it's in California or in Iowa or in Brunswick, Canada for all I care. I mean, in the most remote parts of the world, I want people to feel seen and I want, and I, and I will say this because I remember my brother, uh, one time said, well, no one's going to really care about us. Like, you know, no one's going to really care about these stories, you know, and I, took that personally and it's something i never forgot and it's like no it's, it's going to matter we're going to matter uh it, it's just that it needs to be there needs to be more light on that i mean the work has been happening for the past um century and a half in america it just hasn't been shown in the light that it deserves and and because we have all these tools it's getting there i mean we're seeing despite the anti-asian violence despite a lot of horrible things that have happened to us in our communities. We're seeing like this push to to have Asian American education in taught in public schools, Illinois, including. And and we're seeing more content creators. We're seeing more people really take up spaces, take up space, infiltrate them, whatever. And I think that's encouraging. You know, we need to have that continue. And also to show that we're in solidarity with black indigenous latinx communities too in this fight against white supremacy and what that solidarity can look like because i think there's always a saying that the the minority becomes the majority when we're all together so Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's what i look at when i think of uh the podcast yeah it's not just a podcast for me it's 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 our ability as a uh, as a collective to just tell these stories and and you know, they may not be listening to my podcast, but they're listening to other, um, podcasts as well too. And, and I'm glad that there is more than just, you know, me or you. And mm-hmm. we need to have more of our voices because we can't be the only ones telling these stories.
1: Right. Well, is there anything I didn't ask about that you'd want to touch on or say or talk about?
0: Um, I don't think so. I think that this is certainly, um, the good chunk of, uh, what we're looking at, what, uh, what we, uh, are going to talk about. I know that, that, you know, about these experiences, it's, um, it's always very complicated to think about how many different fragments of our own life, but they, how they all intersect with one another. And I had to think about it too, as I was going into my professional career and how that actually connects to, the podcast work itself Mm -hmm. so it's it's always an interesting challenge you know to talk about things that you haven't talked about in that kind of way um because it requires deep reflection and requires a space to uh talk about that
1: yeah yeah well before we wrap up um like you said and i want to remind like the listeners and viewers that uh you are doing kind of re-release or replays of the Me Chronicles, so everyone can definitely check that out. I believe it's on like all podcast platforms, I believe, right? Um, So definitely do that. And then other than that, if the listeners wanted to find out more about you or Bomby Chronicles, is there anywhere they can go, like website or social media handles?
0: Sure. So you can uh, follow me on Instagram at me B-A-N-H-M-I underscore Chronicles. You can find me on Instagram. you also get the uh, latest update. I'm also on TikTok, which I'm starting to use, but I'm not professional at it. I am not going to do slay dance videos because I don't have enough time for production. I also have a Facebook page called the BUNME Chronicles that you can follow as well. Yes, you can also check out on uh, the podcast on all platforms. And yeah, there will be certain re-releases. Some of them will be released as through spotify thank you spotify for bringing that to light and that's cool. I, yeah and i hope to that you get to catch up on the all these episodes before i venture out into new ones uh, sometime uh mid uh mid 2022
1: okay cool and what i'll do is i'll put all of those um in the show notes and then also the the video version of, of this episode will go on the youtube page um the open Mind night youtube page so i'll put that in the description as well so everyone can just easily click on it so no. yeah so thank you so much for doing this it was a pleasure connecting i was so excited and then also having you on so thanks so much for doing this
0: well thank you so much for bringing me on and the best of luck to you in your podcasting journey, and I really appreciate what you've been doing, and keep it up.
1: Thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, take care. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Open Mind Night Pod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.